What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is the Facts Project. Today, I got a special guest for everybody. My main man, Michael Simeon, Blackgate Comic Geek. Thank you, sir, for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate having, uh, being on the show. See, and man, you look, look. And again, last, I think last time we were uh, on, on a show together was when I invited you to do my Lovecraft Country. Uh, but that's the thing. I wanted to reciprocate the offer because uh, for, for those that don't know, uh, we started a trio, me, him, and Fantastic Frankie. We are the niggas in magic. <laughs> this is, you know what I'm saying? So we got together for a uh, a follow-up uh, post-episode of Lovecraft Country. And um, Michael invited us on, on his uh, YouTube page. We went live. It was an excellent show. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was chat room was, man, your chat room was bubbling. God. It was. It was. I, was I, I was actually surprised. Yo, I'm, I, I got to say, I am happy for the success of your YouTube page and the fact that, like, people have just caught on to you. And, and Lovecraft Country was a big part of that, would you, you say? Know, Lovecraft Country, I would say, like, that was the thing that basically got me to the point that I was even able to monetize my videos because... Like I would get way more views than I had subscribers. And then with that, cause the way YouTube works is they pay attention to uh, watch time. And so also with that, like Lovecraft Country, because I would have so many views, but also my, uh, each one of my videos was like 20, 30, four, I think the most was almost 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, like you have 5,000 people pretty much watching all of the whole 50 minute video. And so then that adds up. Yeah. Then, uh, the way YouTube works is you have to hit at least 4,000 watch hours yeah. in order to monetize your videos and have a thousand subscribers. So I had a thousand subscribers, but in terms of watch time, like I was like maybe like at the halfway point. Uh -huh. Lovecraft Country, and I'm reviewing that. And then when people started following me, that's like it like shot up. So by the time episode seven hit, it was like, all right, you you have officially uh uh got to the point that you could be in the YouTube partnership program. And I was like, Oh, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> we can curse, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man, let that shit fly. <laughs> so, so to be honest, I mean, Jonathan Majors, Journey Smollett have pretty much been uh, almost catalyst in your success. Yeah, Misha Green, Jonathan Yeah, Misha Green, all that. They, like, if, if YouTube is the thing that I end up doing, I, yeah, I, like, they gotta get part of the flowers because <laughs> they were, they were vital to that, <laughs> I would say. And granted, it's not to say I wasn't getting there without it, but like Lovecraft Country was like the 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 gun that uh -huh. like really shot it off. Now, what, now, do you think there's going to be a second season? For the sake of my channel, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, she said that she's. They haven't officially announced anything, but she said she wants to continue. Right. And I, I feel as though, like, uh, from what it was basically the standpoint of how they were doing the show and how far back in time it was, it was, there might be a time jump to another possibly epic timeline in, in Black history. Who knows where? It could be the crack epidemic in the 80s, possibly with an older D or something like that. Or it could be in the early, mid-60s to where probably the most trauma-filled times within Black history with the assassination uh, assassinations of Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, Dr. Martin Luther King during that time. I mean, not even not even close to even saying that the, 
the JFK assassination and the RFK assassinations all were within that time frame. If that if that is the angle of the show, and as much as I, I don't want to relive that again and again, because a lot of shows have done that over and over and over again, and the trauma just keeps on fucking bewildering my head. Yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's just jump to the 80s, you know what I'm saying? I could see, like, D being, like, close to her 40s, mentoring a lot of uh, other young uh, young kids, possibly with the magic still resonating with a lot of the, a lot of uh, black children within the United States. And who knows? Lovecraft country. I think for the sake of like keeping the actors that they have. Yeah. I don't necessarily think they're gonna jump to like the eighties or anything like that because if they do, they would have to get rid of the person that they have as D or like uh, uh, Hippolyta and stuff like that. I would think considering their age, they might be either dead or mm. super old. And I don't know if they want to go that route, especially if they maybe don't bring Jonathan Majors back. Cause we don't, I don't know what's going to maybe happen with that, especially now that he's Kang the Conqueror. So there it, may, there may be some conflicts with, with the filming schedule and stuff like that. So I think they would want to keep the actors that they have. So if they do end up doing a time skip, I think maybe it'll just be the sixties. So then that way you can have her, have, uh, Letitia have her child. The child could maybe be uh, a little bit older. True. So then maybe instead of following uh, Tick and stuff, it could be the son. That's true. Atticus. That's true. Since he also, since he also did write that book. Yeah. So. Well, I, I can say, honestly, from my take, with Jonathan Majors and, and the, basically catapulting through that show, that's probably the end of him on that show. When Marvel grabs you, Marvel grabs you for about a good, yeah, a good 10 years. <laughs> I have never heard of Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, uh, Chris Hemsworth doing much of anything outside of Marvel because they were snatched up into doing so much scheduling and whatnot. And who knows how many movies the man signed up for? Because Marvel just doesn't like, unless you were like a villain in the early phase one, phase two Marvel, uh -huh. you're, in, you're in it. And, and especially now that we got the whole Disney Plus stuff happening, like I heard right. that they were like now the contracts are including Disney Plus shows. So yeah. you're like really in the in the weeds the, the whole Marvel ecosystem. Of course, of course. And, and, and to segue what I was talking about earlier, like you, you don't necessarily get this name Black Gay Comic Geek for nothing. <laughs> it's had to be an origin story as to why you've you've dived full full steam into comics. Where did this come from? I mean, for the most part, I've always been interested in like fantasy superheroes and all the other stuff. But I think the genesis of how I got into comics really started from horror movies. Really? Yeah, like I've always been a fan of like, granted, the, a lot of these movies, cause I was born in 85. Okay. So a lot of these movies came out right before I was born, but in the nineties and stuff like that, you always had the reruns and stuff like that on HBO, Showtime and, and uh, stuff. So. Uh, I would always watch like Nightmare on Elm Street, yep. Friday the 13th, Halloween, Chucky. Like funny enough, when I was super young, <laughs> when I was super young, I've always wanted a Chucky doll. And my mother was like, and my mother's from Trinidad, she was like, hell no, you ain't bringing that damn thing in my house. I've just always been that kid. Like, and this is, I'm about to tell on myself to show how weird I was as a kid, but Mm -hmm. And but it also goes into just the fascination of that fantasy sci-fi horror lore. Like I remember, and I don't know if you ever got this thing as a kid. You were told like, "Don't eat junk food before you go to sleep or whatever," because you'll have nightmares. Right. 
Well, yes. me, I was the type of kid where I'm like, oh, is that true? So I would be eating junk food just so I could have a nightmare because I want right. I want to put myself in that horror world and whatever and experience it for my <laughs> like again, this is me telling on myself. So I would right. be eating Skittles and and Starburst and cakes just so I could be like have a nightmare and I never did. And I was super disappointed. <laughs> uh -huh. But then that uh horror snowballed into like the fox uh Com uh, the Fox uh, Saturday morning TV shows with Spider-Man okay. and X-Men and Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four. So when I was super young, I didn't actually read comics okay. because there wasn't really a comic store around me. And then plus, you know, comics are expensive. And okay. I it wasn't like I was paying, paying for it, but I was always interested in those characters based on my original love of horror. And so I would always follow what was going on, even, uh, you know, with the beginning ages of the internet, I would follow what was going on in comics yeah, and stuff like that. I would uh, eventually, when like Marvel Wiki and stuff like that showed up, I would be like, okay, I might not be able to afford this right now, but I would still look up what's going on. And you would, I'll be able to spit stuff as if you would think I read it fluently. Then, but then eventually, once I started working and stuff like that, yeah, and also once I got into college, that's when I and there was a, a comic book store right next to my uh, university. That's when I finally started going and like uh -huh. buying buying issues and stuff like that. Now, I don't want to say I'm an expert or anything. I'm no, like, I'm not like Rob from Comics Explained or anything like that. Like, I don't read as frequently. As Ain't nobody on that man's level. Yeah, no. Like, for the most part, like now, most of my stuff, because most of, most of the stuff I read is Marvel. And part of that is because I have the Marvel Unlimited app on my phone. Yeah. And so with that, you don't get new issues right away. So, it's true. Yeah. So uh, it, to attest what you just said, I being the grandson of a Barbadian man, can totally hold in familiarity of like bad mojo being in a house and watching scary movies and 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 they're supremely superstitious superstitious yes, yes. people in the Caribbean and everything like that so horror movies are not necessarily the niche of a lot of the older older people and everything that came that came over from the islands and they, they don't fucking feed into that spooky shit you know what I'm saying? But but another thing that you brought up, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember my mom making me watch the original Gremlins for the first time. And that whole part where you you were saying, like, eating junk food and, and having it bring out nightmares, that, that whole folktale that, that was being taught as a kid. When Gremlins came out and the fact that if they ate food after midnight, they would turn in a cocoon, she would basically, like, put me in front of the TV and be like, hey, See what happens to them motherfuckers when they when they eat shit after midnight? That could be you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I could yeah, but I was the type of kid. I'd be like, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I'm it, for, for me, it's just me and mom. So it's like it, it's like an even flow. She goes to bed, I'm turning on all the scary movies. Bah, 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 bah. You know what I'm saying? Whatever was tape she had, she had like, of course, made up tapes of horror movies and everything. In, inside of those little like li weird wooden cabinets that you had back in your house with all the VHS tapes uh, back in the day. Yeah. That's what we had, six hours of straight horror movies that I just pop in and go nuts about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but for, um, for, for, Yeah, for the most part for me, because I was mostly an A, a and B student, mm -hmm. I, I never really had, because I know a lot of people, especially coming from a Caribbean household, they had a lot of restrictions on things they couldn't watch and things they could watch and all that yeah. other stuff. But for me, for the most part, I didn't have that. Like. I got to watch HBO late at night, watching vampire movies. And my mother didn't really- She didn't check in. Yeah, she didn't really check in to see what I watched. And then also part of it is cause also, uh, you know, coming from a Caribbean household, like my mother was uh, at work a lot of the time. So she would be working from like 
the time I had to wake up to go to school to damn near midnight. So for the most part, I, and of course I had, I'm the youngest of uh, four brothers, so I'm the fourth. And so, and my, the oldest is like 13 years older than me, then it's 11, then it's five years. So because there's such a big gap in age difference, for the most part, they were out hanging out with their friends and stuff like that and all that. So for the most part, I pretty much raised myself. Uh, so I would be okay. home alone a lot of times watching like Friday. Through, so that's also why I was able to watch whatever I wanted. Oh, for sure. <laughs> For sure. So HBCU grad. HBCU grad. Yep. Fam you. Fam you. Fam you. Now, now. Which also works because I'm I'm because our uh our mascot is a, a, a rattlesnake. Yeah. And, and I did I did the Pottermore test and I'm also I'm a Slytherin, so <laughs> oh my God. Man. <laughs> the, the, the snake is is, is enabled. Now, now, enabled. You, now I've asked this question of a couple people before. Have you did you encounter like blurs on campus and just realize that maybe I'm not the only nerd out here? I mean, for the most part, mm -hmm. I would say yes and no, depending on the topic. Like in terms of like the comics and everything that I'm interested in, yeah. not necessarily. Cause I, I mostly, uh, I went to school for theater. Right, okay. And so I'm surrounded by a bunch of theater geeks and you know, theater, that's like, that's all we, that's all we talk about. We start busting into song in the middle of like, in the middle of the hallway and stuff like that. So that's where most of my camaraderie came from in terms of college, but in terms of like connecting with other like comic book fantasy nerd type of stuff, not really. Like it was just like, me in the wind talking, hey, anybody else Buffy fans? No? Oh, okay, that's sad. <laughs> and that's what, and, and funny enough, that's actually why I started cosplaying because like in my friend circle, okay, I was pretty much the only one that was into the shit that I was into as much as I was into it. Like I have friends that might go see an Avengers movie or whatever and like, oh yeah, I had a really good time, but they're not like really into it. Like, like when Thanos showed up on screen and I'm like, oh shit, they're doing Thanos. They're like, who is that? <laughs> I'm just like, so I was just like, you know what? I need to find a new group of friends that right, can like right. nerd out and just talk about the minutia of comic book characters and stuff like that. And so, uh -huh. that's what, yeah, so that's why I started cosplaying a couple years ago. Find, find now, other people like me. Now, what was it necessarily uh, a geographic thing because you were down south as opposed to being up here on the East Coast? Because like, you know, we got New York Comic Con that we tend to go to once a year and we get to see everybody whether it's blurs, nerds, anybody within that spectrum that holds the same type of commonality and familiarity to us. Whereas maybe down South is not. I mean, maybe that could be it. Maybe, maybe it was Florida specifically. Cause I'm like, Atlanta has like dragon con and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. So it's not like they don't have cons it's true. down South, but I guess specifically just in my group of people, cause I'm not going to say there were no blurs or no comic book people or fan uh -huh. you. It's just, I didn't know them. So yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. They, they weren't, they weren't, or if they were in the, the cause I was going to say, or they weren't in the theater department, but if they were in the theater department, they didn't talk to me about it and everybody knows what I'm into. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Now you were a part of a very, 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 uh, very successful podcast called the blur vision podcast. Um, we happened to had on the party nerds, we had Jordan on the show. Yeah, you did. Uh, it had to be, man, I'm gonna say four or five years ago. Yeah, I think and, this was, I think that was like right, like right when I joined, or yeah, I think it was like right, right at the time that I joined. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I remember when I first got on to the party nerds podcast, it was like, yo, well, 
if you if if I want to get familiar with just basically talking on the microphone and everything, I have to listen to y'all podcast. And this is me not knowing who you are. This is me just listening, you know, like figuring out like camaraderie, talking back and forth, actually like executing conversation and talking about nerdy things. So instrumentally, I listened to that podcast a lot early on in order to catch wind on how to just like have a general conversation between nerdy topics. And now, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> and now, you know what I'm saying? But, and, but well, the thing is, I found this out like maybe I'm going to say the middle of last year. And I'm like, because I, I was like, wait, oh, shit. <laughs> like, like I found that I don't think I ever relate that to you. I was like, oh shit. I was like, wait, Michael was on the Blur Vision podcast. I was like, and, and how long, how long of a stretch did you, did you do that show? Um, I think I think uh Jordan had me first invited me on as a guest on in 2017, I believe. Okay. 20. I actually I could actually look it up right now and go in the archives because my first episode was episode 25. Okay. I, th I think it was it was either 2017 or 20, 2016. Okay. So, but and keep you, talking. I, I, and, I and, and, and then it basically ran all the way until what, early 2020 or the end of 2019? Yeah, my first episode was February 20th, 2017. Wow. And it ran all the way to what, 2019 or early 2020? Uh, 20, early 2020. We stopped. We stopped because of COVID, but we actually just came. We actually just started re-recording again. Oh, shit. Yeah, we, we started. Uh, we came back two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, for our first, it was like nine months, basically. It was like one of us got pregnant. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's how long, that's how long, that's how long the break was. Nine months stretch. <laughs> so we recorded our first episode two weeks ago, nine months. And then we uh, just recorded on Tuesday and that episode came out today. Right. So I guess I guess now we're back. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh wow! So 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 the podcast is back. Yeah. So as it seems right now. <laughs> good, good, good. They, look, this is the thing. The, uh, as far as a lot of uh, a lot of content that's out there within just this type of market, and having the ability to speak on things nerdy and have a, a general audience. I remember y'all had fan pages. I mean, we still do. Like, there's a blurred, a blurred vision uh, history chat. Like, somebody, somebody created an Instagram just called, like, called Blurred Vision Facts, and I was just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, y'all had like, like very in depth fans that listened to the show. Almost basically took out the edit points and the times in which y'all spoke on certain things and posted them on social media, and I was like. Man, I was like, man, I, I would talk to most of our guys because, you know, we had we I think we had Jordan on the show episode four. I was not on the Party Nerds podcast at all, but I remember that show. And then coming late, later down the line, I was like the things that are happening with that podcast. And it was ultimately instrumental in why we created ours. So we created ours in the fact that, OK, you you guys had maybe just you and him shooting the shit, going back and forth about uh, signature topics. With us, the reason it was always the party there is because we had like six to eight of us all talking at once. And most of us like yelling over each other and having these debates damn near getting into shouting matches and whatnot. But it, it was a lot of inspiration drawn from y'all's show. 
And when did you, now you saying that you, you started in 2017, how did you meet Jordan? Um, I actually met Jordan from uh, Comic-Con that I went to. There it is. So co cosplay and stuff like that, it pretty much shaped my potential. Hopefully I use quotes, but my eventual career basically. Okay. Cause uh, there was a con and, and funny enough, I actually wasn't gonna go which I'm now looking back, I'm like, I'm so glad I did. But there was, cause I was supposed to go with a friend of mine, mm -hmm. but then uh, he, he he canceled at the last minute and was like, he couldn't go. And I was like, damn, well, I don't want to go to a freaking Comic-Con by myself. Like, especially not knowing anybody, but I was like, you know what? The whole point of going, cause it was, it's, a, it's a small Comic-Con called it Being Con, which is like upstate New York really? or whatever. Yeah. So it wasn't like, it's not as big as a uh, New York Comic-Con or anything like that. But okay. I was like, all right, why did you want to cosplay? The whole purpose of cosplaying is to meet people that, you know, you don't, you know, you didn't know to make friends, make connections, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, if my friend can't go, just still go. You never know who you're going to meet. And so I ended up, I got, I got in the car, I got, I drove to New York and I ended up going and that's how I met Jordan. Wow. So y'all met it, y'all met it like a small con. It and, was a very, yeah, it was a very small con. And, and I just like, I, I and I just, I, Jordan was hanging out with a bunch of people and funny enough, okay, let me, let me actually rewind first. Cause I knew who Jordan was before I went to the con and actually me knowing who he was is why I wanted to go to the con because he kind of inspired me and turn, and I told him this before, he kind of inspired me to, to cosplay because while I was, while I made the decision to want to cosplay, I started looking up like, how to go about it and stuff like that. And I didn't really see any black cosplayers. It's true. But then I ended up coming across his page. He he was known as comic book, comic webhead or whatever at the time. Okay. okay. And he was mostly doing like a lot of Spider-Man cosplays and stuff like that. And so I came, when I came across his page and this is before his like page like blew up and for him to be like blurred vision as he's known now. Yeah. And so I started following his page and stuff like that. Then I actually saw that he was going to be at him being con. Mm. And so that's why, that's the reason I wanted to go in the first place. Okay. And then my friend couldn't make it, yada, yada, yada. So then when I uh, went to him being kind and I saw him hanging out with a bunch of people and I was just me by myself, I was just like, you know what? I just walked over, I just walked over to them. Yeah. So just like, hey, I just want to introduce myself or whatever. And then it took it's off from the, there. Spurring the friendship. What started was like, yo, come be a guest on the podcast too being basically the resident second person on that podcast. So obviously the first time we meet, it's not like, oh yeah, yeah, take my number, bro. Come over to my house and all that right. other stuff. It was, right, right. That. it was just like, all right, cool to meet you. You know, follow each other on Instagram, yada, yada, yada. Cause I had like just started getting on Instagram and I wasn't black gay comic geek back then. I was Nephilim underscore rising. Mm. So that is a whole, that's a whole nother story. We're talking about that. <laughs> But that was the because I was thinking because I was thinking about writing a well I'm still writing thinking of writing a fantasy book and okay. I was like I think that's gonna be the name of my book mm -hmm. and then that also corresponds with Instagram because you know Nephilim like I'm also rising on Instagram so I was like okay it works sure <laughs> but then I ended up changing my name but anyway so yeah so uh, we kept we kept running into each other at cons and stuff like that and so because of that we started to become more friendly and everything like that. And then eventually we exchanged numbers and we started talking more. And so he had, uh, cause to give Jordan his flowers, like, it's, cause it's not like I'm the sole reason or, you know, anything like that with Blurred Vision. Like I came on late in the process. Like Blurred yeah. Vision was already his thing before 
before I came on. And so the way I ended up being on the show is he had other hosts that okay. ended up going on vacation in London. Mm. But he still wanted to record an episode because back then, before I got on the show, he would record like maybe like once a month or like, mm. it was like very infrequent. Okay. And so when they went away uh, to London, uh, Jordan and I, uh, we actually went to go see John Wick too, together in the movies. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, I actually kind of want to talk about this on the show. You want to be a guest on my podcast? Because I, I was a fan listening to Blur Vision before I joined right. the show. And so he was like, you want to be a guest to talk about, I want to, because I was like, I want to talk about John Wicks and, and, and uh, uh, our previous host, they're not here. So I was like, right. yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I was, and I was nervous as hell, because I've never, I'd never done anything like this before. True. It's my first time, you know, doing it. Like I, sometimes I would go back and listen to my first episode. And I was like, yeah, I could hear like, you didn't know what the, you didn't and know what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> and then eventually, so I was on episode 25, and then episode 26 happened. I wasn't on episode 26. And then there was a gap between episode 26 and 27. And then uh, like he wanted to become like more frequent and stuff like that with the show and you know, keeping up with that schedule. Like they weren't able to do, they weren't able to keep up with that. And then other stuff started happening with, you know, with with the hosts. Not, you know, I don't want to bring all that into it, but not, not showing up, flaking. So you yeah. had to jump in. So then, yeah, then eventually I jumped in and then it started becoming a, per- a permanent thing. And then uh, another person that ended up joining the show, Jamie, mm-hmm. she became a she became a permanent host. And then, but then eventually Jamie ended up moving back to Korea. Wow. So then instead of it being me, Jamie and Jordan, because I feel like like I go back and listen to those episodes of me, Jamie and Jordan. I feel like that was like the golden, like the right, three right, our, right. our camaraderie to get the three of us. I was like that. Like it was it was like beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then eventually Jamie went, ended up moving back to South Korea. And then it was just Jordan and I, mm. most of the, most of the show. And the only reason we stopped recording last year, cause coronavirus. So yeah. It, it was the same with us. I think we took like a, we took a five month break and then it was just like, all right, fuck it, man. Look, let's just all get some microphones and some cameras and get this shit moving. I mean, so yeah, I, me, me having a YouTube channel and all this, I wouldn't even have a YouTube channel if it wasn't for. It's true. I, I wouldn't even be called, I wouldn't even call myself Black Gay Comic Geek if it wasn't for being on Blur Vision. True. Now, now, when we talking about um, representation versus uh, inclu- inclusivity, um, there's there's a lot of us, I guess, within the um, African-American nerd, nerd fam that feel as though, you know, there's, there hasn't been a lot of representation, whether it's been in comic books, whether it's been in the movies, whether it's been in maybe some of the TV shows, maybe sometimes the the characters have been skewed or anything like that. And is it more so, and you, you could probably attest to this, is it more so people trying to be inclusive now that like, of course, the, the protests have happened early on in like May and they just wanted to be inclusive or is it, pretty much with a lot of these companies trying to uh, trying to put a lot of us on is it is it representation or is it just them saying okay this is just like the next big thing let me just get my toes wet in this i think it's a little bit of both a little column a a little bit of column b mm-hmm. because like i could use let me let me use the negative example first because look at how big black panther did for marvel mm-hmm. but then on the flip side it's like on in, in DC, you don't really see them announce it like where's the black superhero for DC? Right. So it's like, but 
at the same time, they'd be like, oh, well, let's do some representation or let's be inclusive and cast like a black Jim Gordon and a black Catwoman. And it's like, sure, that's cool and all. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like going into the inclusive route, I feel like that's the easy answer to, to, to race swap a character. That's not to say I'm against that, you know, fine, whatever. But at the same time, it's the easy route where it's like, instead of casting a black or we're casting a black Jim Gordon, instead of doing that, how about introduce Renee Montoya as Batman's police liaison? You got an Afro-Latina woman who's also a lesbian. Why does it always have to be the same? You're following the same script with Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon. Mm -hmm. Instead of instead of introducing, you know, instead of having casting a black cat woman, mm -hmm. why not introduce Lady Shiva, like the most badass martial artist it's in true. all of DC comics, but she's also an Asian woman. It's true. So it's like, I feel like they just take the easy route and just like race swap instead of introducing characters that are already there. Because mm -hmm. like even the conversation that they talked about, there's a rumor or whatever saying that they want to do, they're going to do a Static Shock movie and a Batgirl movie, but they want to release it on HBO Max as opposed to uh, in theaters or whatever, because they think those properties are risky. Yeah. Right. But it's like, risky. what's risky? Like in the age of Black Panther, right. what's, risk, what's risky about doing a Static Shock movie? It's like Static Shock was like one of the highest grossing cartoons on Kids WB back in, back in the early 2000s. People are still calling for a live action Static Shock movie, like when Black when Black Lightning and stuff like that is out came out and stuff like that. People are like, man, why not do Static Shock? Or, or please let the I hope they're introducing Static, you know, Static and uh, Black Lightning or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, and then on top of that, like you have Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which did very well. Like Miles Morales is a household name now because of that movie. And now the, the the PlayStation Five or PlayStation Four game, yes. And Static, Brian Michael Bendis created Stat. I mean, Brian Michael Bendis created Miles based on Static. Yeah. So it's like, what are y'all doing? The blueprint is already there. So it's like they they they're just taking the easy route by just throwing black faces in there, but not really diving down into black characters that they have. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like DC doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, really, because I feel like DC should have been the MCU before the MCU, because they've always had the rights to their characters right? long, long before Marvel. And, and, and the funny thing is, like, we look at the, the current times with the, uh, the, the one main, main DC character of African-American descent in Cyborg. Now, Ray Fisher has basically this, this long-standing grudge with them since the Justice League movie about the harassment and discrimination and prejudice that he received during that movie to the point where now he's been written out of the script in, yeah. in the Flash movies. So it's like your own, pretty much, probably like the biggest one to date as far as DC's concerned, as far as African-American characters that they were going to carry over. Not even the biggest one, the only one they got. The, the the was the they so far, yeah. they, treat, they treated like shit. Uh-huh. So, so it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not even sure where they're going to go. So yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the question, it's like, how, 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 how committed to you are, are how committed to you are, you? how committed are you to this, yeah. to this, to this push for so-called diversity? It's true. And not even just in front of the camera. Like, what are you doing behind the camera? Who's, who, who's greenlighting these projects? Who are you hiring yeah. for directors? Who, who's, who's the board, who's part of the board and, and all, all, all this other stuff. It's, and that's the problem I have with like a lot of these companies where 
they'll release like black squares knowing like the Black Lives Matter protest. So they'll change their their logo to like the black fist or even like video game companies and stuff like that yep. or Marvel or DC or anything like that. During like uh, Gay Pride Month, they'll like put a rainbow in their logo, but then it's like, but yep. specifically with video games, but it's like, where, where are the leading gay characters in your video games? You're putting a, a rainbow flag, but where are the gay, gay super or whatever, like gay Laura Crofts or whatever, gay leading characters in your video games? It's not. The only time you'll put one in there is like if it's a create your own mm -hmm. type of character. It's the same thing problem I have with black characters. You'll you'll have a create your own character where it's like, oh, if you're black, you can make a black character, right. but you're not making the character actually black. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true, and and now now we're looking at a time where the representation that's being like thrown out there in front of the screen is a little bit skewed, a little bit. So when we when in your perspective, looking at um, a lot of gay characters within comic books and how they've been introduced, or how maybe they haven't swayed towards that fact, like when you talked about uh, Renee Montoya, the question, lesbian character not notified as a lesbian character, just almost had, they had her in Birds of Prey, Rosie Perez playing that character as a sort of assertive dominant character without the notification that she was gay. Yeah. And it was like absent. It's completely absent. Com completely absent. So now, uh, probably, what was it? Next week? Next week, we're going to get uh, WandaVision. Yep. And we're going to get the introduction of Wiccan. Uh, Wicked and Speed, basically. Wicked and Speed. Uh, Vision and Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch's kids. Mm -hmm. Wiccan was introduced in the comics as a gay character. How are they going to uh, basically portray this? Now, there's a couple ways they could go about this. They could just keep it a kid and not do anything with it. I th which I would think suck. For, I th yeah, I think for WandaVision, they're going to probably stay kids. But I think eventually... Yeah. They'll because, age them up because I mean because it seems like the writers on the wall that they're going Young Avengers route, right? And and that's the thing when they do or if they do um, decide to carry on those characters to where they're actually aging up, uh, growing into adolescence, are they then going to for um, basically bring in th those type of emotions, those type of personalities that basically got put into perspective in the books? Because we all know Hulkling. We all know Wiccan. You, I think you just put up a post like a couple of days ago about uh, uh, Wiccan and uh, Hulkling. Yeah, it was uh, a, yeah, it was art. And, and and the thing is, even in the DC universe, Midnight and Apollo, if if they really wanted to have a full on LGBT character within the DC universe, they could go that route. That it's there, if they if they wanted to do so. And the thing mm -hmm. is, it's not like they created those characters in a time where they would sell. Those characters are still pretty much in circulation in a lot of comic books now. Yet, when it comes to putting them on screen, they hesitate. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, like, in the age of Deadpool, going back to Midnight and Apollo, with Deadpool being, like, the biggest R-rated movie ever, like, yeah. mid the, and the thing about Hollywood is they always try to follow trends. I'm like, you have these two characters in Midnighter and Apollo, very rated R type of characters. And they're basically the Batman and Superman of Wildstorm. Granted, it's owned by DC now. But it's like, they're very rated R characters and they're superheroes. It's like, why not have them, like give them a like HBO Max series, a Midnighter and Apollo HBO series. And then you could, you, could, you could have your cake and eat it too by saying, oh yeah, guys, we're, having our we're getting our diversity card by introducing these gay superheroes. 
Yeah. You know, but and then also following the the Deadpool route, and now you're gonna get all the the all the media attention because like DC is the first first out of Marvel or whatever to introduce the first gay superheroes to get their get their own solo television series or movie. Yeah. I, I'm hoping for a television series, but it doesn't really matter. But like because it's it's more storyline, it's more content. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, what do you like? I'm like, it's like the money is there. Like, I don't understand who's like, Walter Hamada, what are you doing? Like, I feel like it's an easy answer, but apparently it's not because they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. Do you do you feel as though there's been other characters that have been misrepresented, uh, whether it's been gay characters, African-American characters within both, both the big two? I mean, <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> give, give me a couple examples. I mean, well, I could talk about gay characters. I could talk about the misrepresentation, misrepresentation of like when Black Panther and Storm first got together. Like, <laughs> we we could go, we could go on and on. even just like how they treat their black characters. Period. And like Marvel, I feel like okay, I feel like DC in the sense is more. And I, I actually had this conversation on Clubhouse. Okay. Uh, I feel like DC is a little bit more willing, specifically talking about uh, black characters they're a little bit more willing to go the more controversial, and I use controversial in air quotes because to me it's not controversial, but I guess for them it is. Mm -hmm. The controversial route with like black characters, like think about books like The Other Side of DC. Yeah, it, it just recently, it just was released, maybe like, uh, what, three, three, four months ago? Yeah, so I feel like they're willing to go that route in DC more so than they are in Marvel with their black characters because you don't really see anything like that with Marvel. And I was saying for a while, like, I would like to see Storm as one example. Like, I would like to see them dive more into the intersectionality of her identities. Like, yes, she's a mutant. People hate mutants. There's anti-mutant rights groups and stuff like that. Uh, the Friends of Humanity, I believe, is one of them. And oh. then there's other ones. That, but she's also a woman. So I want to see her deal with sexism and stuff like that, especially in a, you know, male-dominated X-Men school. But then on top of that, she's a Black woman. So you mean to tell me nobody in the, even just in the, because she's mostly spends her time, well, it's not the mansion anymore, it's Krakoa. But you mean to tell me nobody, you mean, like Jean didn't like try to touch her hair, like, oh, this is so, can I touch your hair real quick? Such a pretty girl for a Black, you know? Oh my <laughs> like, God. you mean to tell me nobody in the mutant society, like, said something slick off the top of her mouth that maybe she want to go have a conversation with Monet. And, and that's another thing, like when they write these black characters, not even just in comics, just in film in general. Yeah. Like you, you about to get me on my soapbox. <laughs> Do it. Like it's unrealistic for black people to be in spaces with a whole bunch of white people, even if you got white friends and yada, 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 but it's unrealistic for us to be in these spaces and not check up on each other. It's true. Even like some, a criticism that I had with like The Walking Dead, like you may tell me Michonne and uh, Sonequa Martin-Green's character, I can't think of her name. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, what, what was the other guy's name? Tyler, not not the the big guy uh -huh. that ended up dying. T-Dog or whatever the hell his name was. Not, not T-Dog. He was like, fuck, whatever. But you mean to tell me there's, there was never, no not one moment, especially dealing with the zombie apocalypse and stuff like that, that they just came together to maybe just sit down, maybe just even just sit down and drink coffee or even eat lunch or dinner or whatever together to just have a conversation with each other. It's true, because I, I and it's funny. Braid each other's hair or whatever, you're, like. You're, you're saying this and now it's like, it's, 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 it's ticking in my head. I was like, wait, I've watched Walking Dead. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen like 
symmetry between or, or conversation pieces between the two black characters before. It's always been interjected with the white characters. Yeah, all, like if they're talking to each other, it's in a, it's in a group. Yeah. Yeah, like they like they never really like had side conversations amongst themselves, maybe about upbringing or certain things that maybe uh, maybe were common to the two characters or anything like that. Damn, that fucking sucks. Hold up. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly. I'm like, that's un that's unrealistic. You mean tell me like Storm's not going to hang out with uh, Misty Knight every so often? That's supposed to be one of her best friends. It's true. Like. We're and, and granted, I understand like comics, you know, superheroes, it's all about the big battles. That's why, especially Marvel, like they keep doing an event after an event after an event, which is tired to me because I'm like, if everything's an event, nothing's an event. Mm -hmm. But I would like to see like part of the reason that X Men was so popular was the soap opera aspect of it. Some of the best issues of X Men is them using their mutant powers to like play baseball or whatever. Yeah. It's not always about fighting sentinels or going to space it's about the interpersonal relationships yeah some of it is based on the prejudice that they seek just going throughout their everyday lives yeah and with so, it being about prejudice like you mean to tell me like storm's not facing prejudice as a black woman yeah. bishop's not facing prejudice as a black man yeah monet's not facing facing prejudice iceman's not facing prejudice as a gay as, as, a, gay, as a gay mutant outside of Outside and granted, I know they talked about it with his parents, mm -hmm. but like I mean, in the mute like mutants themselves, because just because somebody just because you're a mutant, like you have we have gay white people, that doesn't mean they're not they're not racist as hell. They're oppressed, <laughs> they're oppressed, but guess what? They're still racist, and sometimes they're worse, sometimes they're worse than straight, straight white people. Because oh, they're like, yeah. oh, I'm not you know, they think just because they got some level of oppression, they're right. they're they're not like them. Nah, motherfucker, you just as, if not worse. You know what? I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but on on a serious tip, like it, it almost like um, it almost puts in the perspective that when a lot of these comics were written, and you see how they don't want to pretty much pick and choose from source material because they don't want to be predictable. Predictable. So when they make these movies and TV shows, I get it. And, you know, like for most of us comic heads, when we watch these shows, like I don't want to like be the one shouting in the theater. Watch, watch, watch this part right here. He's about to die. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I could do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I watched uh, Infinity War and and then Endgame, like I wanted it to be too uh, predictable in a sense. Like when I saw Hulk uh, being getting knocked out by Thanos and then flying from the spaceship and then all of a sudden he lands in Doctor Strange's house and everything. I read Infinity Gauntlet. I know that that's not the Hulk that's uh, yes. through that so, house. So, so, yeah. so I was like, so when I saw that scene, I was like, yo, I, I think I was like one of the only ones in the theater. But remember, they didn't have the rights to Silver Surfer. Yeah, they didn't have the rights to Silver Surfer. So I was like, man, that's some bullshit. <laughs> I was like, I said that like loud as hell in the movie theater and people was like, what, what, what's supposed to happen? I was like, it's not supposed to be him. <laughs> That's supposed to be him going through it's like so they don't want to they I, I get it they don't want the source material to be predictable but the thing is when it comes to the characters personalities you can still feed into that and the thing is the personalities bring in the conversations with bringing the dialogue and then when you got good writers behind the shit I always said okay if you don't want them to be as predictable as the comic books get the writers from the specific comic themselves to maybe just switch up the dialogue so it doesn't look as predictable as it used to be. 
Mm-hmm. So if you have the person that created Iceman and created the personality that made him a gay character, create a story around that. You know what I'm saying? Or if if you're going to do Midnighter and Apollo, we're in an age where we can do R-rated superhero movies. Create the dynamic to where it's it's put into a show perspective and let the personalities roll. It doesn't have to be like this all spacious thing to where like people are just gonna be offended by it. Make it right. You know what I'm saying? If they could do Lovecraft Country, or I'm sorry, if they could do The Watchmen and do a series of it and interject African-American character, characters in it and it was done well, mm-hmm. they can obviously do the same shit here. And that is another DC property. Yes. I, I tell you, man. <laughs> this I was saying, I'll, let me. I'm gonna push back a little bit because yeah. I agree. I agree with you, and I also disagree with you. Okay. I I agree in the sense that yes, they need to have more comic book writers somewhat involved on these movies because I think part of the problem is, and I'm gonna go to Star Wars as one example. Good. So, if you uh, if you watched, uh, I don't know if you watched the Disney investors they meeting when they were announcing all the shit that was happening with Lucasfilm and stuff like that. The, one the, the, the recent one that happened like a couple of months ago or a month ago. Yeah. So okay. like one of the properties that they that they said they're going to do is a show called Acolyte. Yes. And it's supposed to follow like a, a Sith apprentice or whatever. And I read that the person that's show running that show, mm-hmm. she she said she'd never really been into Star Wars and had no real inclination to Star Wars universe or anything like that. So it's like you're hiring these people that aren't really comic book fans. Or maybe, or like a Zack Snyder who read one, like he read Frank Miller's Dark Knight, and uh-huh. you could tell that's what he made. Yeah. Batman. yeah. But yet you read nothing else because, like, Dark Knight, that's not that's a, an Elseworld story. Or even when you look at his version of Wonder Woman, I don't know if you saw that picture with her with the three decapitated heads. Uh huh. And it's like that's an Elseworlds version of Wonder Woman. That's not the Wonder Woman that's in the comics. So it's like if you if you actually get people that you know wrote comics involved in these in these movies you can help better craft and shape these movies better. But on the flip side, yeah, that doesn't necessarily always work because take Jeff Johns. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins. You're absolutely right. They wrote Wonder Woman 1984. Jeff Johns is a comic book person. And granted, I know you hated Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> I didn't hate it. You see me <laughs> hiding behind this mic. Me and Frank, I didn't hate Wonder Woman 1984, but I know it has a fuck ton of problems. Yes, it does. And guess who, and again, guess who helped write it? Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns. Again, Patty Jenkins is not a comic book, but Jeff Johns is a, is a comic, Jeff Johns is a comic book person. Absolutely. So, so I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. But then again, so it's yeah. like a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you got me there. That's true. And then the, the the young lady that you're talking about in the Star Wars series, actually fantastic Frankie got to uh, interview her. Uh, Laura Hadley, if I'm getting that correct. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not it's, yeah, it's, I'm, it's something I'm, Hadley. I'm, yeah, so it's, it's, but uh, Fr- uh, Frankie actually got a chance to interview her. I think it was maybe like a couple of months ago. And yeah, she she is not like big into the lore of Star Wars. It's like basically saying, okay, the person that made all those Star Wars novels, Tim- Timothy's on who basically after the original three Star Wars movies started writing all these novels about Star Wars lore and pretty much like making making tons and tons of backstory books about it and everything like that. That man has no inclusion in any of the movies whatsoever, mm-hmm. but his characters 
are all throughout the damn movies. Yeah. You know I'm saying so it, it, it's cool in a sense because, okay, it was like, I, I understand that some characters that have a popular backstory, like Boba Fett in, in Mandalorian, him coming back and having this, this reception to where it was like a 40 year old uh, theory as to did he die in the Sarlacc pits in Return of the Jedi? And then all of a sudden that question gets answered when um, when Mandalorian comes back and it was like, oh, he did live. And it was like, for, if, if you're like, maybe like around like 50 years old, you're like, wow. Like I never thought I'd see today. Like I, I, I saw Boba Fett fall in the pit. I, that was one of the first movies I seen. I saw it in a drive-through in 1984 i was five years old you know what i'm saying so like i remember boba going in that pit thought it was over and then to see it come into fruition of course this long in the future was big but to see those characters evolve and then they kind of resurface but we know and that's beyond the point but to know that there's a slew of characters out there that have amazing storylines that they just don't want to introduce for some odd reason because there's it because we got to understand that it's still a business. They are they honestly look at characters and be like, is this going to make money? Like there was always that big problem with Deadpool, uh, where but it took for somebody that was really passionate about it in Ryan Reynolds to like basically go on the on the Tonight Show and say uh, the test footage leaked. I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah, he said the test footage, because I remember it was on YouTube and it was like the test footage leaked. I'm not going to say it was me, but it was probably either me, the writers or one of the producers that put it out there. And then it was a good move by them because of the reception that happened when the test footage leaked, it caused them to make the movie. Yeah, had that test footage not leaked, yeah. we would have no Deadpool. We would have no Deadpool. If somebody didn't go rogue that day, and decide to throw it on YouTube. And then all of a sudden it catastrophically, like just the, the, the views went up to like, like 10 million in like a half hour. And mm -hmm. it was like, oh, and then the, and then the word got out and this is the age of social media where everybody just started like pushing out these pings. Did you see the Deadpool test footage? Did you see the Deadpool test footage? And I remember we talked about it on the podcast. It was like, yo, the Deadpool test, test footage, even though it was like in black and white, and it would look like it looked like stick figures and everything like throughout this whole video and whatnot it propelled the character to get shown to a broader audience because then people who didn't know of the character got to see the character on the screen and realize yo this character's cool as shit <laughs> yeah and i think like and, I, and of course yeah i get it it's business yada 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 and then movies are risky like they thought freaking uh john carter from mars is gonna make a whole bunch of money now granted oh Granted, that's their fault that it didn't make that much money because they marketed it terribly. And I feel like they should have called it John Carter from Mars as opposed to just John Carter. Like I remember even watching the trailers, I was like, what the hell is this movie about? And uh, then when I actually watched the movie, I was like, this is actually pretty good. An actual Confederate soldier getting shipped to Mars from a magic stone <laughs> and becoming a warlord. A Confederate soldier becoming a warlord. <laughs> on another planet yeah but, but i mean it was it was it was actually it was a pretty good movie it was decent it was interesting but the yeah. the, the, the 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 um the schematics behind it was like yeah yeah i get it all right oh oh he conquers a race a confederate <laughs> soldier huh 
Yeah, it's, it's yeah. problematic. But I'm just talking about just the movie itself. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily think it should have flopped as hard as it did. So, I mean, I get, you know, people being scared of certain movies or like movies they think are going to make money like Aragon and all these other movies that ended up flopping. Sure. So it's like, yeah, I get that mentality. But at the same time, in this area, in this age of streaming, which I get the streaming wars are still pretty new, I shouldn't be hearing any more terms of this project being risky. How many flops do Netflix Tons. have? Tons. But yet still, Netflix is still Netflix. Netflix stock is still going up. Yep. Netflix is in the content business. So the thing is, they have to have multiple things going on at one time. Not do, not only do they have the reruns of your favorite movies or your favorite TV shows, but they have all their originals, their original shows, their original movies that they put out there and everything like that. And the thing is, they it's almost like Netflix isn't afraid to put content out there, even if it's shitty. Mm -hmm. You know? Because they, they understand that they have to put that out there. They're yeah, because you don't know what's going to hit. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm still a little salty that they got rid of Sense8, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> like, like, I think Netflix introduced me to a lot of Korean, Spanish uh, TV shows that I didn't even know were the shit until I watched them. Yeah, yeah. A lot of foreign language films that I did not know were going to be that tight yeah. until I watched them. And I was like, damn. I like. I need to catch up on my Korean history right here. This yeah, that, that's hate. actually like Train to Busan. Train to Busan. Oh, uh, God. There's a zombie movie, another zombie movie that I reviewed on my YouTube channel called Hashtag Alive. That was Korean drama. There's another one called The Call. Like, yeah, it's a lot of. Yeah, it's like, come on. Like, but the thing is, they're in the content business. So it's like, hey, there's these amazing movies in a whole nother country that we can put out there. We're not sure how the American public is going to receive them, but those are the chances that Netflix takes to where a conglomerate like Marvel and DC, well, Marvel is Disney and DC is Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's almost like there's checkpoints that have to go on. Like when they say that the Justice League had all these multiple checkpoints that after Zack Snyder left, because of a, hor a horrible situation, I think his, his daughter died. His daughter committed suicide. Daughter committed suicide. Yeah. He leaves the project. Joss Whedon, who made the Avengers, jumps in without preparation. Movies about to come out like they already got have a release date. I think they pushed it up once for him. Yeah, he and, he 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 wanted another year and a half, and they were like, no. Yeah, and I can't say that I'm empathetic towards the guy because every actor working on that film said that he was a shitty person. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is. He had bosses that he had to talk to and they were probably jumping down his throat saying, get this shit done. I could give a damn how these actors feel. This is going to be the biggest movie of all time. So get them on the ball, get the movie done. We'll get our editors in here and the producers and whatnot and everything. And we'll do a little uh, test footage to, to see exactly how it's going to go. And it, it felt sped up. Yeah. And then when and then when you learned the backstory of like oh. uh, the executives pushing Justice League out because they yeah. wanted to get their bonuses and all that other bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you like it felt rushed. And then when it when it came out, it was like, okay, I realized that they wanted to follow the whole connected universe thing that Marvel was doing, but then it was like, this is horrible. Like, come on, y'all. Like Aquaman hasn't even been introduced introduced yet until this movie. Flash hasn't been introduced yet until this movie. You have Ben Affleck's uh, second 
second run as Batman, he still hasn't had a solo movie yet within mm-hmm. the universe. He's had a, a partnered movie and he's got a team movie. No solo movies within the DCEU. I have to constantly remind people that all the time that there, there is no Batman solo movies within the current DCEU. Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan does not do Batman movies for the DCEU. No. This Robert Pattinson movie is not, not within the DCEU. Correct. Ben Affleck is their Batman, and he has no solo movies. He's been in the Suicide Squad movie in a cameo. He was a partner movie with Batman vs. Superman, where basically it was the, the events of After Man of Steel, to where he just was pissed and realized that this inhuman man cannot be doing this much damage and I have to put an end to it. And then all of a sudden we get a Justice League movie where they have to just resurrect a zombie Superman out of nothing and fight fight a demonic cosmic entity that's basically been called on by a preteen in Lex Luthor. (laughs) Yeah, these are the things that like bug me out, but this is what happened. The social social network Luthor. Oh my God, man. And and I get it. That's that's comic accurate because there was a section of the Justice League where they had a younger, uh, more vile Lex Luthor in it. But him in that character mode, whoa, man. Yeah, he, he was more the Riddler than he was. Yeah, Lex that's Luthor. what it seemed like to me. The whole dialogue of how he he was brought out. That is not the Lex Luthor I know. Yeah. You what know. can't Bruce Wayne? Oh. Oh. <laughs> it was, come on, man. Yo, it was killing me, man. But ultimately, to get back to it, where would you like to see things as far as how, how representation has to form within movies, storylines going forth, whether it's within uh, LGBT characters, whether it's within Black characters, and how can we, is there, is there solutions to the problem? It's <laughs> a happy question. I don't Solutions, I would be like, they just need to stop being afraid and just do it. Like even, even, even the controversy with Black Panther, like they were supposed to be, they was, I believe they were supposed to introduce Anika and Ayo to uh, lesbian Dora Milaje, and then they took it out. Yes. Why? <laughs> Granted, they're not even main characters, but and it was supposed to be a small scene. And it was supposed to be a small scene. Yeah. Oscar Isaac, and it's still I'm still pissed off about it. Oscar Isaac has been pushing for Poe and Finn to be like lovers in the Star Wars universe. He's like, the writing is on the walls. Like, if you go back and look at interviews, he's always talking about it. He's always like, even on Ellen, like mm-hmm. Ellen was like, so he 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 made a he made a comment, it was like yeah, I was playing uh, romance in uh, the show. I'm not going to say to who, but yeah, I, I definitely was. But like, it seems like the execs don't well, really want to go. You know, it's funny because I had I just had a conversation with Fantastic Frankie about Star Wars. And I said, didn't it seem odd that they started those last three last three Star Wars movies with a interracial relationship in maybe like the first movie? But then it was like a full stop in The Last Jedi. Like it just... It was gone, but you started to see this dynamic between him and Poe, you know, b- between Finn and Poe. See, I, I saw it in the first movie. You saw it in the first movie. I see. I didn't see it in the first in the first movie. 
when you sometimes when like you're in, in the first it, movie, when, when sometimes when you're in it, when you're in the in the community, because <laughs> I like every gay person I know that's into Star Wars, like they like the whole hashtag Storm Pilot. That's been going since the first movie. Uh, and and even that scene where uh, Poe tried to give uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, I mean Finn tried to give Poe the jacket yeah. back. Yeah, like Oscar, he said he was playing romance in that scene. Like he was like, nah, keep it. It looks better on you. And like he bit his lip. Like ah, you like you sexy right there. See now I'm 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 gonna have to look. look you have to go back. You have to go back and look. Back and look. I ain't even see a lip bite it's, whatsoever. <laughs> he, he bit he bit his lip. <laughs> and so. No. <laughs> and so the hashtag storm pilot has been going on since the first movie. And then even if you like break it, like they saved each other's lives and all this other stuff. Okay. Poe po kind of gave him his identity because before Poe, he was FN2187. So it's like the romance angle is like, it's there. <laughs> it's yeah, there. Like the writing is on the wall. They saved each other's life. Poe was about to get executed by the first order until Finn helped save him. Like, Man, when they fun. when they when they first saw each other, how excited they were! Poe, Finn, and they ran to each other. What is that? What does that remind you of? Every like romance movie, like right. run into it. It's like the writing is on the wall. <laughs> it's Jack and Titanic. It's, and, it's, and, and, and granted, everybody wants to focus on him, you know, pining after Ray, pining after Ray, and sure, uh, sure, that's there too. So you can so you can say Finn is maybe bisexual, but at the same time, I feel like the real story. Yeah. It's between Finn and Poe. But then, like, again, like I said, go, you look at a bunch of interviews with Oscar Isaac. He talks about it all the time. I can send you a link after we're done. And he just, he said, he literally said the 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 higher-ups, they didn't want to do it. And I, I saw somebody say, I've never seen a straight man be so upset that he never got to play gay. Because <laughs> it, it wasn't just like in one interview that he did. It's like multiple interviews that he kept saying, like, right. while, while promoting the movie, like, I want, like, this is a very, this is an obvious choice, but they don't want to go this, this route. Instead, going back to the inclusion thing, they want to show like a 30 second lesbian kiss at the end of The Rise of Skywalker that if you cut it, oh. it takes, like, that does nothing. Or they want to do like Beauty and the Beast. At the very end of the movie, you see LeFou dancing with another man. But it's like, am I supposed to be happy about that? Yeah, these these are things that you don't see. And and the thing is, how long how long are these clips? Two seconds. Yeah, two seconds. Like and I'm like, like, oh, I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be happy about oh oh I got my representation now because I got a two second dance two two men dancing in the, in the corner or whatever. But like, right. what the fuck does that do with the? <laughs> what, did that crap? Did that have anything to do with the story? Right. Like. No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. And that's and, and all of that is why I called myself Black Gay Comic Geek on the internet because I want you to know like exactly who I am and what you're getting into mm-hmm. when you see when you see when you see me. Yeah. Like I'm black and I'm gay and I like comics. I'm I'm a nerd, basically. There it is, man. So because like, yeah, even Marvel and DC, when it comes to like black gay superheroes, it's like virtually none. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and you got, you got you got Prodigy who's bisexual, so mm-hmm. it's not to say he doesn't count. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's why I'll, uh, I'm I'm actually like looking forward to seeing how this how this Wiccan thing is going to work out with WandaVision. Like like as far as how his upbringing are they going to actually include it to the point where it's actually shown on screen in that 
in that foreground? Like, is that going to be the frame as his adolescence comes that it's going to be, you know, th this is, he is, he is a gay character. Is this the personality that is going to be surveyed, uh, uh, surveyed amongst the audience? And I, and I hope it's not something that they gloss over because it's a problem I also have with Hulkland and Wiccan in the comics as well. Mm -hmm. And just gay characters in general, it seemed like they'll introduce a gay character, but then, and it's the same thing happened at Arrow when they changed Mr. Terrific. Granted, I have a lot of problems with what they did with Mr. Terrific. Like you, you change the sexuality from, from what you did in the comics, mm -hmm. but then you still don't do anything with it. Mr. Terrific is like the third smartest man in DC Comics, but yet in the show, he's still taking second fiddle to Felicity. Right. He's an Olympic level athlete, gold medalist, on par with Nightwing, mm -hmm. but yet you, you put him in the show and then you make him gay on top of that. And he's like the weakest one on the show. He was he's the one, he was the one always getting his ass beat. It was hard. So it's like, so what are you trying to say? Gay people can't fight? Because that's essentially the message that you're saying in the show by switching his sexu sexuality to make him gay. Because Mr. Terrific isn't gay in the comics. No. So then you make him gay, but then you make him the weakest one. Right. What are you what are you telling what are you telling people? And then also with that, like going to my original point, is mm. part of the problem, the problem that I have with like how they introduce gay characters in comics is like you never get to see them actually court each other. So like you introduce Mr. Terrific, he automatically has a husband. You, intro <laughs> you introduce Wiccan and Hulkling, they're automatically together. But then when you get to like uh, Kate Bishop and Eli Bradley, you got to see them falling for each other in the young Oh uh, yeah. Stature and, Flirty. yeah, Stature and Vision. You mm -hmm. got, they start, they started, because they first got on a team, they started flirting and all that other stuff. But then eventually she started falling for Aqualad and there was a th love triangle between them. And you got to see the courtship, the back and forth, the eventual falling in love. But Wiccan and Hawkling, they were automatically together. It's like, oh, you guys are already boyfriends. You never got to see them go on a date. You never got to, it wasn't until 10 years after their introduction in the Young Avengers that they actually got the kiss on screen or on, or on the, in the comic panel. In, in a panel. And like, and even it, to even to this day, granted, we know that they met on the Young Avengers, but we didn't know, like, we still to this day don't know, like, maybe like who asked, like them, they, and they got them married now. And I have a whole problem with that, if that we can get into with that as well. But like, like, even to this day, we don't know, like, who asked who out, like, who, how did they find out that one was gay and uh, like, huh? where's that story? It's like, it's the easy route. Like you'll introduce a gay character, but then you won't give them the same level of like romantic, yeah. or whatever the same i'm like running on like like i'm just nah, running man. so I'm, I'm like losing my words now because nah, like it's it's true i mean what you what you're saying is true they don't initialize the flirting in it they don't uh, nobody's radar is up as far as like the dialogue is concerned to even enable any type of courtship they're, the conversation pieces in which they're having to where possibly a date could ensue to where uh, how TV series always basically like draw out the drama that that escalates within the emotions of the two characters in which they maybe come together. Maybe it's a traumatic episode. Maybe it's, you know, they, they don't do that. Damn, man, you, you, you're hipping me to some shit. <laughs> Serious. Yeah. Then, even, then even them, like, again, I have my problems with them marrying them off. Like, I know a lot of gay people are, are happy about it, yada, 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 but I hate it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not to say that, because they're supposed to be, what, like 19, 20? 
Yeah, they, they're super young. They're super young. They're the young Avengers, 17, yeah. 18, 19. They haven't really said what their age was, but when, I guess when they were first introduced, they were like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. But, you know, comic logic, like time and stuff like that. Like, you don't know how much time has right. passed. But like, I feel like the easy answer was to marry them off because they didn't really know what to do with them. And the thing is, yet, even though this is happening, we still have to have issues within the comics where they do go into battle. What happens yeah. then? And I mean, yeah. I get I get people in real life get young. I mean, get married when they're young. People in real life get married at like 17, 18, yada, yada, yada. I get that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it happens a lot with like gay characters. Again, like I said, Mr. Terrific, he's already married off. Cause yeah. they don't they don't want to show him maybe date, maybe because I always thought like the chemistry that he had with Ragman, I was like, I feel like they should have a connection. Mm-hmm. Ragman and Mr. Terrific. Mm-hmm. But instead of, instead of doing that, you automatically have him married. But then you have his ma- you have his husband not really part of the show. Mm-hmm. So then that way you don't have to, you don't really have to deal with him being gay. You could just say, oh, we got a gay character, but you, you could push it you could push it to the side. And that's not to say I want to see like Mr. Terrific butt fucking on the fucking like <laughs> you know having sex on Arrow and stuff like that. But it's like <laughs> I want to see some like the same level that you pay attention to like Arrow and Felicity or Dinah and her love interest or Wild Dog and his wife. And then he has a, like, I want to see the same thing with gay characters. So it's like you married, you married off Wiccan and Hawkling just to like, cause you feel like you don't, cause you don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but what about like, and it's not to say they have to cheat or anything like that, but like think of the drama that Peter Parker has gone through with like Mary Jane throughout the years. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, eventually their end game is that they got, they're getting, they're going to get married. They're going to have kids. They're going to have Mayday Parker or whatever. She's going to be the new spider, spider woman or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, there's some drop, even, even somebody like Sue and Sue and Reed, they've been married from the beginning, but there's always. Oh, there's friction. Come on, man. It was the, you know, how many other superheroes have flirted with Sue Richards and have wanted to get with that Namor for yeah Namor Namor for and, instance and like like bruh like if he had his way he would <laughs> like man. with that you got to see Sue and Reed that maybe they'll go on yep. a date every so often they'll do this they'll yep. they'll leave the Fantastic Four so they can work on their marriage or do you know there's mm-hmm. always something that focuses on them as a couple yep whereas like Wick, Wiccan and Hawkins it's like oh let's let's yeah let's just marry them off and then you don't see them any you don't see them anymore and it's only recently that they're starting to resurface in mm-hmm. comics and mostly it's only because WandaVision yeah and it, it, it i guess in that type of sense the way that the writers are writing it i guess from the executive standpoint and the editor standpoint they feel like okay let's just make history here and just push for the wedding and then, and then all of a sudden that becomes the storyline. It's no longer the story within the comic. It's a storyline from that panel and how that looks. Put that on social media and be like, look, we made history. Yep. Check this shit out. And let's you be know. done with it. Let's be done with it. And, and, and that's it. So all of a sudden everybody gets their little like impressions and social media clips. Look what happened. Look what Marvel did. That's excellent. Yeah. And then you got real like like real LGBT people who are looking at it like, that's it? Like they just married like some two two characters and put, went on with it? Yeah, it's the same shit they did with North Star where they had a big event. Oh, North, for North, like, Yeah, North Star's marrying his husband. But I'm like, when's the last fucking time you seen North Star in a comic? Uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say mid nineties. So it's like, <laughs> we're like, who cares? <laughs> 
was like, I, I'm like, sure, it's, it's great. Yeah, you got a gay couple marrying, but then it's like his husband is not even a superhero. So it's like, no. I, don't, I don't care about his husband. Like, who is he? I've never yeah. seen, like, it's, it'll be one thing if like, there was like a long stretch of run where you got to see North Star maybe meet Kyle and then right. like you saw the trauma and trials and all, but then finally after all these years later, we're making it guys, we're getting married. Oh, congratulate, like, oh shit, we're about to have a first gay couple and, we, and we've been with these characters. So right. we know what they've been through. So like when that's Peter Parker- the street. When Peter, yeah, ba basically it's like, I got these cheeseburgers, man. That's how I felt. <laughs> it's like, when you see, when you saw, when, when Peter Parker and Mary Jane finally got married, that was a celebration because we know what they've been through. We've okay. been with these characters. It was almost like 20, 30 years after the fact when they exactly. got- married. Exactly. They were so like, like boyfriend and girlfriend forever. So it's like you had you had uh, 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 I'm drawing a blank of the word an investment uh -huh. in in their in their marriage. It's true. So it mattered. Yeah. But like what they're doing specifically with like and again I throw the same thing with Black Panther Storm. With that it's like there's no investment. No. Like and I and I get a lot of hate for this because a lot of a lot of people would like get upset on my take of like Black Panther Storm because like oh yeah but it's you know black representation it's the really the only major black couple in comics like that are married. Two, yeah, they're like the two biggest and, but, black characters but, but, but in then, Marvel. But then they'll try to say like, oh yeah, well, cause I'm like, it came out of nowhere. They're like, no, it didn't. Cause Storm and T'Challa knew each other when they were kids and they actually lost their virginity to each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. That ended up being retconned in later on. Yeah. But at the same time, like there hasn't been that much interaction between Storm and T'Challa no. throughout, throughout the years. Maybe they had a history together, but mm. they don't have a present together. Like I personally was more of a fan of Wolverine. I'm personally more, I'm more of a fan of Storm and Wolverine. Oh, of their relationship. Of their relationship because- They grew up in the same mansion together. They, they grew up in the same mansion together. They saved each other's lives. They fought together. They, they're, 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 they helped each other when Storm, when Wolverine first joined the X-Men, the only person he listened to was Storm. Mm. And she said, the only person, the only, the only person you will pop your claws for is me. Cause that's back when she was the leader of the X-Men. Right. And he listened. Wolverine wasn't listening to nobody but her. Mm. When Storm lost her powers, it was Wolverine that got basically got her mojo back. It was Wolverine that trained her how to fight and gained her her confidence back. And it was after her interaction with Wolverine, that's what gave her the confidence to challenge Cyclops for leadership of the X-Men, which she won without her powers. Once when, when Storm was on her deathbed from like dying from, I believe it was during Extreme X, Extreme X Men run and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was Wolverine at her bedside, helping right. her get her strength back. T'Challa wasn't there. Wasn't even a thought. Yeah, it wasn't even a thought. And then circle back when Wolverine lost his healing factor and was, you know, thinking of committing suicide and lost his confidence and stuff like that. It was Storm. That basically came and 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 basically gave him his confidence to 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 continue to live on. Mm. So it's like you say you know you say you don't read comics, bro. It's like <laughs> it's, it's, you need to chill out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying I don't. I'm not again. You put me next to Rob or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I don't know bro, that, I don't bro. Know but that. you know what you know that. About. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> you know what you're talking about, though. God damn. No, but that, that's what's happening. So I know a lot of people aren't fans of the Wolverine Storm relationship because they're like, oh, he's a runt. He doesn't deserve her and all this other stuff. But I'm like, no, they challenge each other. They change each other. They, mm -hmm. they infect each other. Like, yeah, Wolverine is trash ultimately, but it's like, in terms of their relationship, like 
it makes, makes sense. sense to me it, it does uh-huh damn damn mike and granted, I get it because I'm like, in terms of, because I'm also a person that's like, I'm tired of seeing interracial relationships in movies, comics, and all that other stuff. And again, I take this out of real life. If this is real life. Mm-hmm. You love who you love. I don't give a shit. But in terms of like movies, video games, comics, novels, it seems like that's the go-to. They're always making, they're always making, it's white and somebody else, white and black, white and Asian, white and Latina, white and native, but it's like, so I get that that sentiment of you know not wanting to see storm with somebody white, but it's like for that for this particular you got to take it on a case by case basis for this because it's the history. Yeah, for this particular relationship, I, I like th- th- even 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 jumping forward to a uh, 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 issue uh, uh, of comics when Wolverine uh, was clashing with Black Panther. This is back when he lost his powers. And uh, fuck, I, f- I wish I remember the exact dialogue, but like Wolverine was coming after T'Challa, basically like, you don't deserve her. You think you could control, cause he was saying something about, he was saying something about, uh, something about Storm shouldn't, sh- shouldn't be doing this and Storm shouldn't be doing that. And he's right. like, that's your problem right there. You think you could control her. She's not somebody to be controlled. She's, a, and she's independent. I wish I knew the exact line of dialogue. Right. But, you you talk. Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> now, but but the thing is, I get what you're saying because when you when you're looking at a lot of relationships in comics, like like the whole Luke Cage, uh, Jessica Jones deal, like that was accepted because there was a long history behind it. Like when you're talking about the Mary Jane Peter Parker thing, totally invested in that. So I can see exactly where your point is uh, being drawn to where okay they did. What we just talked about earlier, they did the whole Storm T'Challa thing for the image and how that looked dynamically to uh, to comic fans or mm-hmm. better yet, even black comic fans. So now when you're looking at that situation, because damn, you just like you, you killed that one right there, man. Like the, the fact that the fact that you see, and the thing is, Logan always has like tumultuous relationships, you know, whether it's uh, Itsu, his Japanese wife that he had where he birthed Dakin, or the whole Jean Grey love triangle paradigm that they have there. The no, I, Nobody talks about that, the, the, the Logan Storm dynamic. Nobody. Yeah, yeah no. you, you blew that out of the park with that one. <laughs> And, and every time I talk about it, I get, you know, people getting upset, especially black people specifically in like blood uh-huh. groups of me saying, yeah, I'm more of, and it's not to say I'm not a fan of Storm and T'Challa, especially more so with Ta-Nehisi Coates has been doing in his recent run yeah. of like trying to fix when they first got together. He's been, tra- he's, he's been working to fix that. But at the yeah. same time, I still like Storm and Wolverine more than I like Storm and, uh, mm-hmm. and T'Challa. And then also yeah. I feel like, Part of me is also like on the flip side. It seems like after all the work that Tanahasi Coast did, we're trying to fix Storm and T'Challa's relationship. They're instantly trying to get rid of it. Like if you looked at the recent like House of X or uh, X of Swords run, yeah. Storm Storm breaking into Wakanda and stealing the sword, and then oh yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like I don't I don't know I don't know what it is about Marvel. Yeah, I think I think in that whole it's, thing, it's, they, they, it's like at, it's like at one point they want Storm and T'Challa to be together, but at the same time they don't. Yeah, because in this this Jonathan Hickman run, they're 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 fracturing all relationships. Like it's it not only has Professor X had enough, but Cyclops has had enough. Storm, man, fuck all them other people outside of here. 
it doesn't necessarily carry over to the mission statement in which we've tried to establish ourselves as mutants. So it's almost like that whole, it's, it's the segregationist movement that they, they kind of like put on to where anybody outside of being a mutant is just excluded regardless of the history. Yeah. So the, that just plays into a heavy part. I can't find it. No worries. <laughs> hey, hey, no worries at all, man. But I'm yo, see, I'm seeing the panels, but I'm not seeing. I'm oh. trying to f- get the exact issue so I can look it up. But it's not the exact panel because it's not the panel that I want. Mm. But anyway, Mike, Michael, I, I appreciate you doing this. This has been an awesome talk. <laughs> for real, I, I appreciate you for having me. Absolutely, man. Yo, how how can people get in touch with you, uh, regardless of uh, any social media outlets and definitely your YouTube page? Uh, just look up Black Gay Comic Geek, all one word, and you should find me. Well, you, you know, YouTube, that's the name of my YouTube channel. That's the name of my Instagram. Uh, Twitter is just be Gay Comic Geek because Black Gay Comic Geek was too long, <laughs> apparently, for a Twitter handle. The same thing happened to Frankie. She can't put Fantastic Frankie on there, so she has to be fanboy fighter. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know the origin of that, but yeah. So, but either, either way, I'm pretty sure if you type in "Black Gay Comic Geek," you'll find me, or you may find because, or you may find the white the white guy Gay Comic Geek. <laughs> but <laughs> just just put a bl- just put a black in front of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, look for anybody that is out there looking for very diverse views on any anything comic related anything movie related anything film related anything tv related michael is your guy okay yeah. so we'll- on my, yeah on my channel i mostly do film and tv because i don't like i said i do i have marvel unlimited app things aren't coming out like you know like the like the comic book specific channels they're reviewing everything that comes out every week uh-huh. i'm not re- i'm not reading that frequently so that's but- why i most mostly do like fantasy TV shows and movies and stuff like that, because I could keep up with that. Yeah, but for anybody knowing and understanding foreground, you know exactly what the hell you're talking about. Let's just say this. A little bit, right. a little bit. All right, so, so Michael, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate this, you. This has been fun. Facts Project, and we out. <laughs>